Good day and welcome to the Outer Twilight Podcast. And as we talk about a few of our favorite things. Hey, Andrew, how are you? I'm good, man. I'm glad to be back for 2023 here. And, yeah, uh, happy new year. Happy new year. Well, full disclosure, this is uh, our second shot at this. Uh, see, <laughs> our first one got interrupted by uh, life. And so we're finally back at this. And, uh, you know, we thought it would be really good to well finish the year and I guess start the year by talking about last year, 2022. Um, look at a few of the things that we liked, a few of the things that we loved and kind of look ahead to 2023 about what's coming up and kind of what we're look, really looking forward to. Um, mm-hmm. So we have a few categories here and uh, we'll work our way through it. But uh, why don't we start with, so looking back at 2022 and I've called these our stocking stuffers. So the little things that we like that, you know, that we're kind of looking forward to and the things that we enjoyed a little bit. Or not a little bit. We like them a lot, but uh, things. <laughs> well, yep. let me okay. Let me start with this. Okay, so my first example was I was able to watch just before Christmas Spirited on Apple TV. Yep, um, and that's the Will Ferrell, Ryan Reynolds take on um, Scrooge. I was going to say Scrooge McDuck on a Scrooge <laughs> and a Christmas Carol and. I absolutely adored it. Um, yeah, it was the music was fun. The the their approach was different, and you know it was a twist. Like I didn't know a lot going into it, but and the twist mm-hmm. was enough for me that um, it really engaged me, and I really I really enjoyed Spirited. Well, and we watched it based on your recommendation as a family. And it, I really, I liked that it actually used a Christmas Carol more as a jumping off point, as opposed to sort of another rendition of Christmas Carol. It was almost, a, it was almost a sequel. And actually in a lot of ways, you know, spoiler free. I mean, it just, it, there was a lot of aspects of it that were, were uh, sort of an unofficial sequel. Uh, certainly not claiming to be as close as Charles to Charles Dickens as the, you know, some of the other adaptations, but yeah, and I really like that about it. My only gripe is that the music, while it was really good and the songs were awesome, it didn't feel overly seasonal other than the content. Like it, the, the music itself was, um, you know, like a stage play, like a stage musical and things like that. So very well written, great lyrics and all that. It just didn't sound particularly holiday-ish. Other than, I mean, but Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell had great chemistry. They worked so well together. Yeah, that was mm-hmm. a really good one. Um, one for, uh, I think for both of us uh, as well, that was really decent was uh, black Panther two, uh, Wakanda forever. I, <laughs> I, this one is, is a little bit tough for me. I don't know about you, but it, it was good and I really liked it. Um, I, it was hard for me not to notice, you know, especially all the reports of how overworked the special effects staffs are at Marvel. Um, right. it was a little hard not to notice some of the effects errors, well, not errors, uh, inefficiencies, I guess you could say. Um, and also too, with st- uh, phase four, you know, Black Panther being the, the final Wakanda forever being the final movie of the phase four. Um, it was the best movie of phase four, but it almost gets that by default. Um, phase four was kind of a rickety, I guess you could say it wasn't, uh, as well structured as a lot of the previous Marvel stuff. 
um, there were good moments and good things like that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I loved the introduction of Namor. I liked the fact that they made him more attached to the Marvel reality by actually giving him a culture and a kingdom that was original to the film and not just straight out of the comic books. I thought that was wise. And yeah. What about you? What are your thoughts on it? I enjoyed it. Um, but I guess the main reason that it's not that it's on my stocking stuffer list and not on like, you know, the great big gifts under the tree for me is that it was all the extra story that was in it. Um, mm. The whole CIA, um, you know, Val and uh, spoiler, um, if you weren't aware of the fact <laughs> that she's in it, um, Everett Ross angle to it. Yeah. Which felt more like just setting up, you know, phase five kind of stuff as opposed to really um, organic to the story that needed to be told here. I think I would have preferred, like, I think one of the things that I really liked about the first Black Panther was the the fact that it was self-contained and it wasn't dependent upon the rest of the MCU, you know, to exist. And it right. felt like this one was like, felt like there's other stuff that was shoehorned into it that if you edited all that stuff out, um, would have been a stronger film. Um, mm -hmm. but that was probably my main complaint. Uh, it would be interested to see how it feels different on a rewatch with, um, you know, knowing more of the direction that they were going. Cause I felt unsure with the whole Shuri story line. Um, mm -hmm. but I don't know if that was because it was expectation or if that was just, um, I'm not sure exactly what that was. And I think going back and rewatching it would give me a better opportunity to look at that from, from a story perspective. Um, right. So like, I love, I liked it. I didn't necessarily love it. Right. And yeah, so for stocking stuffers for me, primarily um, Tulsa King was Sylvester Stallone. Um, I, I can just kind of brush on these, uh, Tulsa King. What's cool about it is it's Taylor Sheridan, creator of Yellowstone, who created the series. One of the main writers is Terrence Winter, who was pretty involved with Sopranos. Uh, Stallone looks like he's having an absolute blast. Um, it's very much like a fish out of water mob story, which I kind of dig. It's a bit of a mishmash. You know, it has shades of Sons of Anarchy here and there. It has shades of Yellowstone here and there. Um, it's, it's kind of, yeah, it's, it's, a mishmash in kind of the, the best ways. Uh, and it's just, it's a fun series. I mean, um, you know, it's not the Godfather and it's not trying to be. And I just love the fact that Stallone has taken a crack at doing a character that you can get to know over time. Um, yeah. Uh, next one is uh, quantum leap, which is actually the uh, it's, it's a, uh, what do you call it? A uh, update on it. It takes place in continuity with, uh, the original series and it's been a very pleasant surprise it has all the wonderful things that the original series had which was much more hopeful all about actually helping people and writing what once went wrong uh, but adding in a storyline in the present day of why uh, the new leaper ben uh, did actually decide to leap and and the team working in the present to try and help him in the best way that they can without really knowing uh, the entirety of what's going on. So adding that mystery uh, element to Quantum Leap really freshens it up 
and makes it something kind of fun and new. Um, and we're all enjoying that as a family. The last one is one that, you know, 2022 is a year kind of where, because there was so much going on, uh, just in the world and in life and everything that it, it, you know, some of the stuff that came out earlier in the year is a little harder to remember. Um, but the Chippendale rescue Rangers movie, which when I saw the first trailer was like, I don't know. And then I kind of, as I looked into it more, you know, knowing that lonely Island were the guys that, that put it together, you know, Andy Samberg and Yorma Tacone and that, and, and that they were responsible for writing the script and, and, and it's, it's basically a new Roger Rabbit in a lot of ways, you know? So if Mm -hmm. you have a deep love for Roger Rabbit, there's a lot of similar type of humor. There's Easter eggs. I mean, I'm sure you could watch that movie 20 times and you would never, you, you would never run out of things to spot. Um, and just some brilliant things, you know, using the whole knockoff animation industry and everything as kind of a, a backdrop for the villainy. Uh, it was just a stroke of genius. And some of the, <laughs> the knockoff versions of the characters are pretty hilarious. So, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, for me, those are some of the things that I, I enjoyed this year. I mean, they're not things I probably am going to revisit tons, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, like, well, Tulsa King, I'll keep watching, but it's just, it's probably not something I'll go back and, and rewatch over and over again. Right. But, uh, that's not something that's its fault. It's just, yeah. That's just the way it is. So perfect. Yeah. Okay. So now, now let's talk about the things that we absolutely loved, the the big gifts under the Christmas tree, uh, the things that we really enjoyed unwrapping and we will continue to to play with and enjoy uh moving forward. So why don't you start with from your your list? Um, because you have more things on here than I do. <laughs> Well, I'll start with something that's fresh in my mind, and that's uh, Surrender, which is uh, it's Surrender, 40 songs, um, 40 story. I think it's 40 songs and stories, or, or I can't remember what the subtitle is, but it's Bono from U2. It's his biography. And I'm specifically going to address the audio book, which uh, a friend kind of recommended to me, and then I kind of looked into it. And I do audio books just not very often. Um and I have a lot of them. I just never find the time to to read them. But um, what I found curious is I'd heard that Bono actually mixes in musical cues in the audiobook. He actually reads it as well, uh, his biography. Um, and so he's speaking from firsthand and, and all of that kind of stuff. And it really comes together in something that to me is magical. It's super nostalgic for someone like ourselves who are Gen X um, and grew up listening to you too, but also just grew up in during the eighties and, and, you know, uh, Bono is a few years older than we are, but not as much as you might think. Um, and you know, his stories of how the band gets together, his stories of life in Ireland at the time, which is an interesting mix of very, you know, slice of life with the conflict that was going on in the country at the time in the 1980s as well. Um, and how it influenced their music and, and how they got together. It's, it's, yeah, I find myself as he's telling his stories, feeling very like a kindred spirit with him, uh, especially, you know, his experiences with faith and the ups and downs of faith as well. He's very frank about his life of faith as a as a Christian and, and how it affects him. Mm-hmm. Um, and not always, you know, he's honest. It's not always, you know, hunky dory and life is great. It's very much of a back and forth and a wrestling, uh, which I really resonated with a lot. Um, and so if you can seek it out on Audible, it's it's well, or whatever you listen to audiobooks. I just can't remember if it's exclusive to Audible or not. Um, 
but it's it's continues to be i'm not quite finished it yet but it continues to be just a f- stunning listen um and i can't imagine actually just reading the book like the audiobook is that much better that i could never envision reading the book myself i would rather hear him tell it right. um and so yeah uh and then i'll do one more from my list and then we can skip over to you so this would be like my <laughs> one of my uh, new discoveries this Christmas season, and that is Violent Night with uh, David Harbour, directed by Tommy Ricola. Um, fantastic combination. It would be a great double feature with Die Hard. Um, but David Harbour, who, if you know him from Stranger Things and and even the the Hellboy remake, which got critically panned, but he was pretty good as that character. Um, you know, his sort of sarcastic, big, lovable tree trunk of a guy um that he tends to play in a lot of his films translates so well to santa um while being willing to be kind of brutal and they even work it into the script as to why he's willing to be as violent as he is in the film um and there's kind of a bit of a redemptive story there for santa uh the blending of the magical slash supernatural stuff with the very real components of like a terrorist hostage taking and robbery is pretty hilarious um it's gruesome it's like home alone crossed with die hard crossed with the santa claus it, and and the the craziness of it cranked up to 11 which tommy ricola directed dead snow which is a zombie a nazi zombie movie in a, in a the ski in a ski lodge is the first one well ski cabin i should say is the first one and the second one is one of the best zombie films that i've ever seen dead snow too so uh, yeah so him getting a hold of this too it's got this zany bloody crazy you know yeah it may not seem like a seasonal treat but to me i just i laughed my head off the entire time it was a blast so yeah so what was what was one of your uh must must experiences of the of 2022 so yeah so we saw with star wars this year they had they revisited the character of obi-wan kenobi and they gave Mm -hmm. him his own limited series and so I sat down with my wife and we watched this over the span of uh, however many weeks. And it felt as it felt more Star Wars than we've experienced in a while. And, mm. you know, you got to see more depth on the character of Obi-Wan Kenobi, um, fell in love with little Princess Leia and the actress who played her. It was she fantastic. was fantastic in that. Yeah. Um, but we saw a Darth Vader who was legitimately scary and legitimately yeah. powerful. Um, I always felt that like in the original trilogy, it was more of a, it was Darth Vader who existed on the kind of on, on reputation more right. so than anything he actually did. Um, and this kind of gave uh it was as much a darth vader origin of why he had that reputation and the power that he had and you know and i would love to see more of that darth vader um you know and seeing hayden christensen come back and be able to do more as the darth vader uh, a character w- was good too but well, and i wonder how much of it for him was him being like finally getting a chance to uncork right playing vader he only got to play Vader very briefly in the prequels. And, and I'd c- it sort of seemed like he was really having fun with it um, in the, in the, in Obi-Wan, 
you know, like he finally got this shot and just, yeah, he's so fun in that, uh, that way. So, yeah, cause like, yeah. I'm not, the, I'm not the biggest star Wars fan, but you yeah. know, my wife, that was like really important to her growing up uh, star Wars. Like she's, she's the one who has this massive star Wars collection and, um, and she'd love the original trilogy. So for her to be able to, um, you know, kind of revisit, you know, a character that was true to kind of the original feel of Star Wars, mm-hmm. um, you know, and mixed in with, you know, yeah, a scary Vader. It was, it was great. It was, it was a lot of fun and I look forward to being able to sit down and watch it again sometimes. Yeah, so. I, I agree. I mean, that rematch alone between the rematch between Darth Vader and Obi-Wan was so worth the wait. I mean, like the, the fight sequence in the in uh, Revenge of the Sith isn't bad, but man, the dialogue and the 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 stakes that are at, at play when they fight in the miniseries is awesome. Like it's just mm-hmm. it, they do such a fantastic job between them. Um, there's a and it's a lot more emotionally grounded, which obviously is something Lucas has always struggled with, and so to have actually some really good emotional. Well, not exactly closure, but addition to their story is really fantastic. Well, and there were some side so, characters that really, really stood out to me that um, were just were great, great additions to the overall feel, the overall universe of Star Wars. So that was good. So the other thing that I really loved um, was the final episode. And I'm, and it's not that I didn't enjoy the rest of, rest of the series. Like I enjoyed the series, but I really loved episode nine of She Hulk Attorney at Law, mm. and because it was so different, and it was almost like the MCU calling out the MCU, um, and you know, for a series that was calling out certain aspects of fandom and um and not fandom but really called into question kind of the formula of the mcu and and broke that formula and, and my my sincere hope that moving forward that it's it's a signal from the mcu and from marvel that um that they might be willing to take more risks you know the fact that they they took this risk and, you know, mm-hmm. for some, it really resonated, like for me. And for some, it was like all the proof that they needed that uh, they don't know what they're doing and that they should never have done this and had never had this character and blah, blah, blah. But <laughs> it was, well, that, yeah, they took the risk, yeah. you know, and they were willing to go out there and, and to do that. And I just, I hope that, in, you know, in future series, but also movies that we start to see Marvel, like they've proven that they can do the formula and they, mm-hmm. they and, and the formula works and the formula makes a ton of money. Um, I, I hope that this maybe is a signal that they're willing to take a few more risks going forward with um, particularly with the Disney plus series that, you know, that that's yeah. a perfect platform to be able to explore some different things. And, and I think, and they've done that, but to really break away from, from the formula and be original and you know even if it means that there's going to be fans that don't like it but that they're willing to tell stories that 
you know, need to be told in the way that they need to be told. Well, and there's something to be said for that equal opportunity self-deprecation. Like, so like, you know, yes, we're going to make fun of the way some toxic fans are, but we're also going to look at ourselves and admit we're not perfect. Right. I mean, that, that's a good way to go. I like the fact too, like you said, like they're actually trying different genres and, and not making it just an action show. You know, I, I, I think I read a couple of derogatory comments that it's like Marvel or, you know, she Hulk McBeal kind of, I'm like, there's nothing wrong with that. Ali McBeal in his day was a good show. And I mean, the charisma of the, of, uh, Tatiana Maslany and that was fantastic. I mean, there's a lot to love there and I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the fact that they took risks and you can't whine and complain about formula as a fan and be upset with the, what they're doing while simultaneously being upset when they swing for the fences and, and creatively really go out of their way to do something special. Um, You know, and you know, we address this in, you know, the previous podcast where we're talking about criticism and stuff like that. And, you know, and sometimes just accept that it's not everything is for you. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. And if it's great and it resonates with you, and for me, this resonated, I loved it. Um, you know, so it was for me and people like me. Uh, and if it wasn't for you, then it's not for you. That's not a bad thing. Yeah. Um, they're certainly so, producing yeah. enough that there's, yeah. they're producing enough that you can find something. So Top Gun Maverick, I mean, at this list, on anybody's list, but I think would be a little remiss without bringing up Top Gun Maverick. Uh, for me, it was one of the most, it was one of two of the most exhilarating uh, movie experience, movie going experiences of the year, uh, with the second being Avatar Way of Water. Um, both of them are fantastic reminders of why we should go to the theater to see films. Um you know, and it's funny because it's actually for opposite reasons. One, because Top Maverick had Top Gun Maverick, Top Top Maverick, Top Gun Maverick had exclusively or almost exclusively uh, practical effects, real jets, real flight, real risk, real stunts, which Cruise has become known for to the point where people are questioning his sanity (laughs) more so than usual. Um, And uh, Avatar, because its visual effects are CGI of the level that I can't remember the last time I felt so much wonder. Um, I commented on Facebook that the uncanny Valley aspect, this is almost the opposite of that. You forget that a lot of the shots in the film are exclusively CGI or, or at least aided by CGI. Uh, the uncanny Valley is a, a dot in the rearview mirror uh, in that film. There's a couple of shots that are, I probably could have used a little bit more effort. But overall, I mean, it was breathtaking. Uh, the ecology of Pandora, the, you know, um, I thought it was great. It was sentimental. I really honestly feel like if you have a huge problem with Avatar, it's probably because you've gotten too cynical about films and your fandom is probably in a place where you need to rethink um, why you enjoy movies. Why do you want to see them? Um because to me, Avatar was was like a ride. It was, which isn't a bad thing. It was entertaining from beginning to end. Um, same with Top Gun Maverick, exhilarating. I want to see more movies like that. And uh, hopefully in 2023, you know, the box office hopefully will bear out for studios where they need to take films in order for them to be things that draw people uh, into the theaters. So um, 
Okay, so while I haven't seen Top Gun Maverick, I have seen Ryan George's pitch meeting for Top Gun Maverick. Have you yeah. seen it? Yeah, yeah, Star Wars. Oh. Yeah, yeah, very yeah. much. Yeah, yeah. Well, and we, when we were watching it, it was like, did they? Do you think they were self aware enough to go like, this is the plot of Star Wars, like almost exactly, like to a frightening degree? Uh, it, it's it's very much like Star Wars. It's really, I don't know how you could be a movie buff and not see Top Gun Maverick and go. <laughs> Huh. <laughs> and, and to give a little bit of love, okay, I guess pitch meeting, I guess, yeah, 2022 is when I when I was introduced to Ryan George's pitch meetings. So yeah. I'll add that to things that I loved of 2022. Um, he, what is wonderful about it is he pokes fun at things without denigrating them. And yeah like literally watching his pitch meeting for uh top gun maverick made me want to watch top top gun maverick uh as right. opposed to to driving me away from the thing that he's you know poking fun at and, and if you don't know what pitch meeting is is he he plays an executive and a writer talking about movies and where the executive where the writer's saying, oh, we're going to do this. And the executive's oh, like, no, you can't, didn't can't. that happen? And, you know, and back and forth. And it, they're really funny. Um, check huh. them out if you haven't seen them. But, uh, um, yeah, I'm going to see Maverick. It's just a matter of time. All right. And so my final thing uh, in terms of gifts that I really enjoyed in, and it, this is a very bittersweet one because now we have official word that things are changing. But, um I really, I, I felt like the DCEU was finally really coming together. Um, and then HBO Max joined Discovery and everything went to crap. Um, and so I'm really sad because in October, it was nice to find out that Henry Cavill was coming back as Superman. Uh, Black, uh, Black, I almost said Black Adder. Black Adam um, was, you know, it was a very serviceable action film. I thought it was okay. It was a bit of a throwback in terms of storytelling style, but I liked seeing Hawkman and Dr. Fate. I liked seeing some of the, the you know, deeper cut uh, Justice Society characters. Uh, and I mean, you know, we've got a Flash movie coming. There was supposed to be a Batgirl movie. Um, there was just so many things that seemed to be pointing to like, you know, maybe the ship was going to be righted. And then James Gunn took over and I was really excited about that. And yeah, um, it's not all bad. I'll talk about uh, um, I'll talk about why I'm hopeful for that in our next episode. But I, I want to just register my disappointment i guess that the dcuc seemed so dceu seemed so close to fixing itself um especially after snyder's uh cut of the justice league release last year it just felt like things were really starting to happen and uh, uh yeah i mean it's fine i've seen adaptations come and go with dc it'll survive it'll be fine and i'm sure i'll enjoy it um it's just hard to see them fumbling so hard after you know the mcu sort of made it look easy and uh unfortunately poor management really kind of screwed everything up but i did, would like to say that i liked the dceu i might be one of the two or three that did but um it was something that i really liked so yeah and then um yeah there was lots of other things this year that uh I thought were really good. Did you have any others that you wanted to point out, Mike? I don't think so. Um, yeah, there were 
there were a lot of enjoyable things, but yeah, as far as things that like really stand out now, that being said a week from now, it could be like, Oh yeah, that thing. Of course, if, <laughs> if I can't remember it, then maybe it wasn't as great as I thought, but, um, those those are the Although main that's things. That's becoming that, less of an excuse now that we're in our late forties. Now that's more yeah. likely our problem than their problem. But yeah, um, actually, I do have one other one, and it's actually kind of an under the radar one. So uh, that I think is worth mentioning. Uh, Creator VC is a documentary company that uh, they kind of do their own kickstarting. Um, their most recent release is called "In Search of Darkness Part 3, uh, which is a history of. Uh, uh, a history of horror movies. And so volume one and two have already been released. They were released over the last few years. Um, but they are fabulous documentaries. Uh, the first two are for sure available on shutter. Uh, if you're looking for that, if you're looking, uh, and also on AMC plus as well. Um, they're like five hours long a piece. They are fantastic. They make you feel like you're strolling through a video store with sort of a knowledgeable staff person or a buddy that you can reminisce with. Um, I found particularly three to be quite poignant because it really focused on um, it really focused on video store stuff. And, and so video store horror, uh, because that's why I mean, that's why horror was so prevalent in the 80s is because video stores were looking for content. They wanted to you know, they were constantly trying to turn stuff over. It's very similar to the way streaming services now are constantly trying to find and mine old sources for stuff so they have enough things to offer. And, uh, you know, so, you know, people would, you know, spend $50,000 to make a movie and suddenly they had a studio going because video stores would buy 500,000 copies at a hundred bucks a pop. And, you know, suddenly they had money to make cheap horror movies. Not all of them are classics. Not all of them are amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, but what I love about in search of darkness three is that they actually mentioned some of the particularly terrible ones, but are so fun just for the, the ingenuity of them. Um, but yeah, and I mean, there's also In Search of Tomorrow. They're doing a sequel to that one, which is science fiction focused. Um, but I mean, that was definitely a highlight of 2022 for me. It was watching through uh, In Search of Darkness and then subsequently rewatching some of their other offerings just because they're so entertaining um, and good. So, yeah, so well, uh, so that's our, our sort of favorite stuff for 2022. And uh, uh, next, we're going to be looking at our. Uh, the things that we're we're going to be looking forward uh, and, and uh, a little bit, but we're also though going to start off the next episode with the things that we would like to return, the refunds that we would like <laughs> from 2022, the things that were disappointing. Um, there were a few things, you know, there's lots to be happy about, but there were a few things that were just not great that maybe we spent money on, maybe we spent time on and, even wish we could get that back. So thanks for joining us. Uh, we will see you again next week here on the outer twilight. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, man. Take care.